0: We want the dynamite from the post-wrestling site, you, lighting up the fuse,
1: sit back and enjoy the bubbly, Which we hear from John and
0: Wayne Tate, where we're going we don't need roads, and if the buck stops here yeah, this thing might blow, everything you hear are opinions of the show, and if you don't like it, go to the Forbes and let them know.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to Dynamite. I am John Polakera, alongside Wei Ting, on a Wednesday night. How are you, Wei? Good. Yourself? I'm I'm doing okay. I was up I super early this morning, and I know you were either up super late or up super early, or maybe both.
0: This um. Yeah, I was up a bit early. It was it was just uh. I mean, I mean as many people know my sleep schedule is all over the place and so it, it was just like one of those where you know sleep for 2 hours wake up and then couldn't get back to sleep type of days so apologies if my energy's not there.
1: Well, together way we will get through this one. Uh true or false you came by my house at 7:45 this morning.
0: Uh very yeah about that time a little after that actually but uh okay. yeah I dropped some stuff off.
1: I was actually uh you couldn't see inside, but what I was doing at that time was uh, having uh, <laughs> my daughter in a <laughs> stroller and was walking her back and forth for a good part of forty-five minutes. At oh, that wow. time, as you came by, so you you could have uh, gladly really wake you up. Came come least, on uh, in for all the fun. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, I might actually make another stop because uh, our good friend Sean Levine dropped off some. Girl Scout cookies for us. So
1: oh, did um, he send the? Uh, oh, what kind? Samoas and uh, Thin Mints. Oh man, he's uh, the best. Dude, the Samoas were life changing.
0: Oh, they're they're incredible. I think I might have some for Braden and Davy as well. Wow. Well, Sean Levine,
1: thank you very much. Those Samoas, MVP. I oh my god, those things were really really good. I can't believe we don't have those here. No, we don't. I'd never even heard about them until they did that Edge and Christian skit. I had no idea about these Samoas until they did the skit about them. And it's like, oh, I, like we've, we get Girl Scout cookies here, but for my whole life, it's just been the basics, like the vanilla and the chocolate, like they would come in a combo pack and that's the extent of our Girl Guide cookies. The,
0: the, the Canadian Girl Scout cookies are not very, they're nothing. They're basically Oreos, you know, packaged but i mean the the ones in the u s are, are far different, and certainly samoas is, is everybody talks about the thin mint, but the samoas are the are 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 the elite of the Girl scout cookies
1: all right i am uh i am putting this off we have a we have a daunting show to uh to to get through just a a lot uh, coming down here that we're going to get into but uh before we get into All of the news, and we're going to be talking about uh, Jim Crockett Jr., uh, a pretty packed edition of Dynamite, and loads of other stuff. Wei, there's a big sale going on at the Post Wrestling store. Would you like to alert people to how they can get in on this special sale?
0: Yeah, all patrons of the Post Wrestling Cafe, uh, we're doing a series of rolling deals this month, and this week we're giving 15% off of our Post Wrestling Marvel t-shirt in celebration of WandaVision's finale, which is only one sleep away, John. So uh, for the rest of this week until Monday, you can get 15% off of that shirt. If you're a Post Wrestling Cafe patron, uh, just look in your email or just go to postwrestlingcafe.com and scroll down a few posts and you'll get the coupon code.
1: Alright, so check that out. A, uh, a rolling sale that's going on all month long. You can check that out. I also want to make mention uh, we have a pretty great show up on the cafe with a review of WrestleMania 6. We spent nearly three hours chatting about this show uh, with lots of a very Toronto-centric show. We were able to dig into some of the local news coverage at the time going into WrestleMania 6. We had Dan the Mouth Lebransky join us and a big review of a three-and-a-half-hour WrestleMania card headlined by Hulk Hogan and The Ultimate Warrior, where Wayne and I also revealed our first visits to the Toronto Skydome, now Rogers Center.
0: You know, I didn't realize uh, the mention of Norm Costa would elicit so much reaction. Um, got some feedback from Rob Bahari. My goodness. With his Norm DaCosta uh, anecdotes. Probably scared
1: and- Norm Costa
0: from ever wanting to go near wrestling again. And uh, I'm going to give you a scoop. Our friend Donovan, Donovan Fernandez, Norm Costa is apparently one of his family friends, gave him all his wrestling magazines growing up. He used to tell people he was his uncle. I don't know if wow. that's true or not, but okay. maybe, maybe it is. But yeah, a lot of eh, Norm DaCosta popular around these parts. He
1: was, I mean, if you read the Toronto Star, like he had, like he, I always remember him covering soccer, but there was... Like 92 onward, like I remember once or twice a week, like him having that wrestling column and just the novelty of seeing pro wrestling covered in the Toronto Star was was pretty interesting before he got out of covering wrestling. So anyway, we go into a lot of Toronto history in this show. It's almost three hours. It's up on the cafe. Also, uh, we announced on Monday uh, that we are going to be hosting post-podcast day on Saturday, April the 3rd. What that is going to be is a six-hour live stream, not all that unlike what we are doing as we speak. All members of the Post Wrestling Cafe will have access to this, and it's going to be six live shows that we are going to be presenting throughout the the day, uh, including a live Ask Away with myself and Mr. Ting, and we'll be announcing the other shows as well as the people involved in the coming weeks. But that's Saturday, April 3rd, noon Eastern, we will be starting and all members of the Post Wrestling Cafe will have access. Yeah, so Let, we're let get- the countdown begin, Way You can point to a sign somewhere.
0: Oh, we need to put a sign up for sure. Yep. But we're going to get all of our friends involved, uh, and we'll announce the shows to come.
1: Yes, some fun ideas that we have uh, planned for that day. All right, let's go into the news. So within the last half hour, uh, the news was uh, coming down. I think it was first uh, Robert Gibson that had posted that uh, Jim Crockett jr. Who we knew had been in very bad health and had been placed into hospice care uh, has apparently passed away. Uh, So this is all coming down just in the past half hour. And uh, I thought we should start off just talking a bit about someone who is an extremely influential figure specifically um, in the, in the mid seventies and throughout the eighties in relation to Jim Crockett promotions and, Just to trace the lineage back, uh, Jim Crockett Sr., his father, uh, began as an entertainment promoter in the Carolinas, and kind of the cluster of what would make up Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling would be the Carolinas and Virginia. Those would be their core states that they promoted. But it was not just the family promoted um, baseball, concerts. Wrestling was one, uh, one portion of what they... Uh, promoted, but pro wrestling would eventually become uh, what they were most well associated with. And Jim Crockett Sr. promoted for years, uh, right up until his death in 1973. Uh, he had a heart condition and died. And at that point, it was looked upon will the business just be left to the sons and the oldest son was Jim Crockett jr. And his brothers were David Crockett, who you would remember as the uh, broadcast partner calling the 605 show with Bob Cottle for all all those years. And Jackie Crockett, who worked as a camera operator in the company. And then they had a sister, Francis, and they ended up leaving the company to Francis's husband, John Ringley. So he was the one who came up with the mid Atlantic name and was the one running the company. He also brought in George Scott as a booker, uh, but then uh, ended up the marriage dissolved, and thus John Ringley was on the outs with the family, and that's how Jim Crockett Jr. uh, came into power running the company. And that's where you saw a big shift with George Scott coming into book was kind of alternating from a tag-based territory to a singles territory, built heavily around... Johnny Valentine, who was a a big star in, in that part of the country, but also bringing in young talent. Like, this is where Ric Flair was emerging. Ricky Steamboat came in around 1977. You had Greg Valentine, Wahoo McDaniel, and that was kind of the building of this territory where it started to pick up a lot of impact in the late 70s into the 80s. And they ended up where they went through different bookers after George Scott left Dory Funk Jr. came in. He assembled a committee, and that was the committee was in place when they promoted the first Starcade event, and that's when Jim Crockett Jr. was leaning heavily on Dusty Rhodes. But it was prior to Dusty officially becoming Booker, although he was the one who named it. And uh, we actually did a very lengthy show on the very first Starcade in the Rewind Away archives that has a lot of the history of this time period. But th- that's when dusty shortly after the first Starcade, comes in and that's where Jim Crockett promotions, it expands significantly where it's going from just being kind of based in the mid Atlantic region to growing national, because what happens is in 1985, that's when Vince McMahon jr had had the 605 time slot for an hour and Jim Crockett Jr. ends up buying out Vince McMahon for a million dollars. Gets the the time slots on WTBS. And they've got the huge national television window. Uh, not just on Saturdays, but also a Sunday slot. On top of all the syndicated networks that they're providing television for. And they're going all over the country to mixed success. There's areas of the country that they thrived in. And then there were other parts that they didn't do so well. But this was at a time where they were... Uh, making just enormous money and and built around that core of Flair and Dusty and the Horsemen being the key heels throughout this whole time and you've got the rise of Magnum. It was kind of it, almost eerie when you're we're talking about Jim Crockett Jr. and seeing tonight's show of Dynamite where you had some of those principal characters, not just Tully, but of all people, you had JJ on the show tonight and the the segment with Arn Anderson as well. So, you know, business is on fire at this point in 85, 86, even into 87 and it's 87 where the certainly the the breaks in Jim Crockett Promotions are taking deeper form and you can look at it from a lot of different um problems that they had. One of which has been pointed to was several issues con- connected with Starcade in 87. They, that was the year they took it out of Greensboro. And went to Chicago with the hope of, you know, making this a more national event, going to, you know, in theory, a more prestige market in Chicago. But, you know, they drew less going to Chicago. But the real killer was that Vince McMahon, the, the hope was that they would do, because this is when Vince McMahon announces the first Survivor Series for that year in 87, that the two pay-per-views would air on the same day. And... The hope from the cable companies, well, this is great. We'll get one in the afternoon and one in the evening, and fans will buy both. And Vince McMahon put this ultimatum in place where he told the cable companies, if you carry Starcade instead of Survivor Series, you can't have both. And then you won't get WrestleMania next year. And most of the cable providers all got freaked out by this uh this fear that they would lose WrestleMania because you're coming off WrestleMania 3, is very hot at this time. So many of them, I think all but five providers, go with uh WrestleMania. So Starcade gets hit significantly. And the way the contracts were structured in Jim Crockett promotions is that if if they were If you had a big amount owed to you, they would shore up everything at the end of the year with these balloon payments. So you didn't have the starcade money that you had hoped for, and you had all these big payments because they're spending significant money to keep all these stars in the NWA, your Road Warriors, your Lugers, everybody else I mentioned. So going into 88, like there are a lot of problems with Jim Crockett promotions, and you know, you're you're not creating those new stars at the same level. You've been running with kind of the, the same s- a number of people for many years. And with Dusty Rhodes, there was a lot of criticism ab- about his booking. And this all comes to a head later in 1988, when they realize how much they're in debt. Uh, they had an accountant by the name of Dave Johnson, who's kind of crunching the numbers. And all of a sudden, um, they've got a significant amount of debt. And that sped up the sale process where Turner sports ends up buying Jim Crockett promotions, which, you know, some in the Crockett family did not advocate for the sale. Others thought that it was, you know, it was the only choice to make and they were able to uh, get out at that point. Jim Crockett jr. Took on a consulting position with the company and then tried to get back into the business several years later, but it was such a different industry at this point that, um, you know, he, essentially just retired and went to uh, lived, lived in Dallas. But you go back to that time period, especially from, I would say like 84 to 87. Like this was, this was a significant competition between the WWF and Jim Crockett promotions, the NWA by its extension. And, I would definitely recommend people, if you want to check out a great documentary on Jim Crockett Jr. and Jim Crockett Promotions, it is the good old days on uh, Highspots on their streaming network. They have that documentary up there. Um, I know that Jim Crockett Jr. hasn't done a lot of interviews, but he did do some over the last few years. He did a StarCast. I know that Conrad Thompson did an interview with him uh, not all that long ago. And he also did a sit down for this uh, High Spots uh, documentary that was out there. But an incredibly important figure, a former NWA president. And uh, when you talk about the 80s and the WWF's expansion period, you cannot talk about that without the competition from Jim Crockett Promotions, where they battled the WWF very intensely in several markets, um, including in the WWF's back door of Baltimore, Philadelphia. It was certain areas they could not had that same success, and I think a lot of people look at that in those core states, they they were red hot, and it was not the population base that you had in the Northeast from, that the WWF had to draw from, which was very impressive that they were able to do the level of business uh, that they did consistently. So very significant figure, an unfortunate uh, passing, but one that uh, based on the updates we had heard over the past week, this was sadly something that looked to be inevitable.
0: What sort of tribute do you expect from any of the wrestling promotions in the next week?
1: I would be shocked if there isn't something on the pay-per-view. I think just the fact that it came down so late. I think um, I think AEW 100% will, at the bare minimum, have a graphic, but maybe even something more um, for, for Jim Crockett Jr. Uh, I don't know if you can expect anything on the WWF side to note his passing, unless it's something on, on the website um it's it's very unlike them to kind of pay attention to someone that was never associated with with WWF at least directly and but I mean there's going to be a lot written about him just uh, looking back at at his importance and it's going to be really the history of Jim Crockett promotions that it's a fascinating history to go through and read but Uh, the people out there that I'm sure will have a lot of stories about him, working closely with him, like a J.J. Dillon, for instance, just seeing him on the screen tonight, like he was, he was kind of Dusty's booking assistant. So he worked uh, in the office uh, with with, with Dusty. It was a very small office uh, in terms of the the people. Like when you look at the competition between WWF um, and Jim Crockett promotions, like it was, like Jim Crockett Promotions was like a mom and pop operation even as they expanded to such a huge degree uh, like it was still like a very small number they had working out of that office uh, compared to the WWF that was just this growing juggernaut with this huge office in in Connecticut
0: mhm i'm i'm wondering what sort of things you might see on in return um it's not until the 21st but you know right. they do hold the Crockett Cup uh so i i would expect at least some sort of you know, big deal made of it on their shows.
1: Yeah, I I think you're going to see a lot over the next couple of days, um, just in terms of uh, looking back at at his impact and those he he worked with. I mean, it was like a a who's who in the 80s of, you know, big stars that came through uh, Jim Crockett promotions. So yes, probably a lot more to come on him. Uh, Let's move on to a few other notes. Um, So the NXT story, I think we should talk about here. Uh, it was first reported by the uh, the Mat Men podcast, uh, citing a source at NBC that it would appear that NXT could be moving to Tuesday nights, and since this time, uh, Dave Meltzer has stated that if it's not a done deal, it's very close, so um, it's not been officially announced, but I mean, this can't be uh, completely out of left field news item, because when we saw the USA Network absorbing some of the NHL programming with the, you know, dissolving the NBC sports network. This was a conflict that presented itself on the schedule. So I can't say it's uh, this, this crazy story by any stretch, but the idea of NXT moving to Tuesday nights way. I mean, we saw the examples last summer when NXT had to move to Tuesday nights for several weeks, when AEW ran unopposed that this is going to mean uh, an increase for both sides, but it definitely opens up a potential higher ceiling for AEW without head-to-head wrestling competition.
0: Certainly, I mean, I wonder if this was as much a you know a, a decision from USA or if it was uh, WWE's, and um, I think everybody benefits. The audience benefits. Um, we've had our fun you know playing sides and comparing numbers on Thursdays uh and I'm I'm kind of ready to move on from all that and be able to enjoy both shows um appropriately so um I, it's 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 a bit you know easier I think for everybody do you know what this schedule is going to look like on a weekly basis every day sometimes uh multiple times a day sometimes multiple so I mean what you know what's the follow going to be for a company like impact do you expect them to move
1: the thing with Impact moving is that they have they have put so much into that Tuesday, even adding that that pre show. Um, I would consider moving to Thursdays, but the thing is, like the way if you listen to Cody Rhodes uh, Q and A today, I mean, he certainly was he was asked the question and you know it, his answer came off like he's expecting this move, but he also said like twice he's not going to be surprised if something else pops up on Wednesday nights. He's not looking like this is going to be like, they're going to be free and clear of competition for the law, at least wrestling wise. So, and that's going to be WWE's MO. I think of constant content creation and filling up even more time, if possible, especially if they can be uh, paid for it. So I think if your impact short term, yeah, you could look at, at Thursdays for instance, but I mean, I think we're going into a landscape where, There's going to be like Major League Wrestling pretty much every night of the week that I don't know if moving one night it's going to prove to be any different like a year from now where who knows what more could enter the marketplace. So I'm curious to see what Impact's move is if they immediately pick up and move to another night. You would think they have more of that flexibility given it's access TV, but that remains to be seen. What do you think they should do?
0: So, because this will hurt I impact, know. I don't know if there's a great move either way, you know, like how often are you going to move aside for somebody else? But, um, I, I think for their sake, just to maybe able to grab some of the headlines from the next day, Thursday certainly makes the most sense right now. But at the same time, you know, AEW's got another hour coming. Uh, who knows? Where what does that wars? hour go?
1: Where what, what night of the week does that hour go?
0: Beats me, man
1: like that's gonna land i mean tony Khan's pretty adamant about not wanting to run against the nfl which would make mondays and thursdays unlikely like tuesday might end up being that day yeah could be depending a on the show. tnt schedule like where it's you know that's going to be a tnt decision of where this this hour ends up
0: yeah it could be a weekend show um they're running out of, you know, days um to to be the sole focus. And uh that makes it even tougher for your lower, you know, uh tiers b- beneath AEW and WWE um company like MLW, a company like New Japan trying to maybe find a place on, That's on the right. TV schedule. Very difficult.
1: Uh going to raw on Monday night. This is a very interesting number that they did built around the the teasing of the Miz versus Bobby Lashley throughout the show and then paying it off in the last segment of the show. So they did a 1,884,000 viewers and a 0.58 in the demo. And if you just take those two numbers, neither jumps out at you. As I've said, Raw has fallen into this pattern where it's doing 1.8 million. It's just a question of, uh, what, uh, you know, in between 1.8 and 1.9, what are they going to do? But that's pretty much your average that they have settled into. And a 0.58, I mean, it's a fine number. They were tops on cable, but it's not a gigantic number by their standards. It's it's what they're averaging. But when you break down uh, just the patterns throughout the show and how the different demos did, like this was a, a good number for Raw. Their 18 to 34 audience was up 50%. Uh, their highest since Legends Night in that demo. Women 12 to 34, whatever it was, it was up 67%. And this was the best number among women 12 to 34 since the night after WrestleMania last year. Interesting. Like that's a... is. Is it Lashley? I think that it's... Certainly you have to look at that, that there was definitely this... Whatever you want to say about the, whether you like this story or not involving Ms. and Lashley and the tactics taken throughout the show, I think the positive you take from this is the the notion of having a story that weaves itself throughout three hours and you pay it off at the end and you hope it's a, ca- a captivating story. This one, listen, people stuck around in a way higher percentage this this week than most weeks. They were down, they lost 5% in the third hour. Their demo stayed, like, consistent pretty much almost the whole show.
0: I think it would would be a good philosophy to try to make entertaining TV every single week.
1: Yes, Um, but this specifically about not just setting up a match that you have the guys come out in segment one and then you do it in the third hour at the end. This was, you know, twists and turns throughout the show. You had the key players in multiple segments. It was like a show-long story. And some people didn't like it, but the actual... Uh, thought process I think is a positive for this show that you have you know stories that play themselves out throughout the show rather than just match angle match backstage interview match match backstage and then we do our main event whether it be at the end of hour two or the end of hour three this is more of uh you know making your your key players uh prominent throughout the show rather than just in one or two segments
0: we'll see what lessons they can learn from it
1: you can't do this every week like this. This was your ultimate like paying off a big title change in at the end of the show. You're not going to be able to have something like this each week. But I am interested to see like that countdown clock. I think we're going to see that plenty. So that was uh, those are the key things uh, for, from raw to look at. But I mean in the third hour, you know, several demos were up in hour three men 18 to 49 adults 18 to 34 uh, Men, 12 to 34. So it was really, the, it was like two demos that dropped, you know, fifteen and a half, sixteen 16% in the third hour. Everything else stayed relatively uh, well in the third hour. So you do have to look at this, um, the structuring of Raw as a success for this week. They also did 218,000 viewers in Canada. New Japan Pro Wrestling, not expected to use Marty Scurll. Uh, last week, there was the Fightful Report that he was backstage at the New Japan strong tapings and then Emily Pratt adding that he did in fact shoot an angle with Rocky Romero. Uh, Today it was noted by the, uh, the super J cast and observer that New Japan is not going to be using him, uh, whether it be on strong or anywhere else. It looks like this past week and the, the backlash that came once this news was made public was enough that they were, they're they're not willing to go through and air this angle that was shot.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to see the – I guess the timeline of these moves and um, I think it sends a message to anybody who's thinking about hiring Marty Skrull that you'll be met with this sort of public reaction. And I'm sure it gives plenty of people uh, pause about maybe being seen on a show even with Marty Skrull. I think this
1: gives great pause to a lot of promotions. Like in the last week, we've seen what happened with the fallout with Paul Robinson and Progress – um, this event that Joey Ryan was involved with that just was canceled within a day uh, once it was made public, and then this with Marty Scurll. Like I think this will give pause to promotions, knowing that um, th- there is going to be vitriol from the public of you know usage of certain talent at least now. So um, yeah, that's that's the latest with Marty Scurll. Uh, do not expect to see him uh, in this angle on New Japan Strong. Did you are you keeping up with Young Rock? No. So I saw Tuesday night's episode, and the story is that Leah Maivia, the mother of Dwayne, uh, the grandmother of Dwayne Johnson, the mother of Otta, is running the, the territory in Hawaii. This is after Peter Maivia has passed away, and she's running the territory. And there's this promoter that is trying to scoop up all her talent. And it's this uh, promoter, uh, this Asian promoter, who is wooing them with the promise of action figures and glazed ham to try and lure talent away. And who's the promoter that's helping out Leah the most? It's, It's good old Vince McMahon, who they say is the only promoter that lets his talent work for other territories. In an era where that was... I mean, you didn't have... Exclusive contracts at this time, but it's, you have pretty much the, the person <laughs> you, so you have this default promoter who's like trying to take all the territorial stars to leave the promoters high and dry and not give them any notice. Like this is Vince McMahon's MO in the eighties, but it's been assigned to this other promoter while Vince McMahon is the good guy that is willing to let Leah use Rocky Johnson, even though uh, Rocky works for him. It's It was rather amusing to see how Vince McMahon was painted and then taking the archetype of Vince McMahon and assigning it to this non-real promoter that did not exist, uh, other than his attributes existed very much in the form of Vince McMahon
0: Jr. throughout the 80s. You know, I know the show is, is very much a dramatization of real-life events, but man, um, it kind of shows you perhaps where his allegiances are in, in history, at least.
1: Well, at least in this episode, I mean, they were not painting Vince McMahon as any kind of, like, ruthless promoter that was just trying to, you know, take the top territorial stars and bring them all. Like, the Junkyard Dog, like, that's really, like, he, JYD leaves Mid-South, he's advertised for dates, and leaves them high and dry to go to Vince McMahon, like, no notice, and in this one, it's like, it's like JYD, he's been wooed away by by a ham. And he's and they they catch him like trying to sneak out of the hotel and just check out and they catch him. I mean, so anyway, incredible. That's wow. the latest. what's going on on a uh, young rock all right, with that, let's get into a pretty uh newsworthy edition of aew Dynamite and immediately They start the show off with Cody Rhodes and Red Velvet against Shaquille O'Neal and Jade Cargill. And while we're mentioning Cody Rhodes, we have the Q&A up on the site if you want to check out the audio of today's conference call that Cody Rhodes uh, did. But they ended up starting off
0: the show with this. I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, the the purpose of this match is to draw as many eyeballs to your show so that people can know about Revolution. And, you know, rather than they could have main evented with this. But I I think it makes as much sense to start off the show with it. They did the opposite
1: of what Raw tried to do. Like holding you until the very last segment. And hopefully you're going to stick around for three hours and get the payoff at the end. They decided let's start off at the very what should be the peak of the show. But do so much that it hooks you. Like this. The first 90 minutes of this show were incredibly fast paced and. It was a pretty unbelievable show when you're looking at all the things they presented to you. They had surprises. They had, like, I thought this was an excellent go-home show just for what the overall goal was of selling you on this pay-per-view on Sunday. Like, they they made this show feel very special. It had one of those, like, night after WrestleMania Raw type of vibes to
0: it. I really wanted to see a bit more from Moxley and Omega as, to me, that's the main event. I certainly would have wanted to see them end the show with some sort of presence, but I think they're really banking on people sticking around for the countdown show for that.
1: Do you know who was backstage hanging out with John Moxley?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, UFC...
1: Jorge Masvidal. Yes, right. I was thinking for sure we were going to see Moxley with Masvidal and Masvidal teaching him, like, the flying knee or something.
0: Mmm, wow. His own V-trigger. Yeah.
1: You've got exploding barbed wire i've got an explosion to show you here i thought for sure we'd get mosfet all on the show with moxley but no we did not so it's cody and red velvet against shaq and jade cargill shaq just looks enormous and we go to the flashback to the angles starting in november involving the four and cody and shaq start the match with a collar and elbow tie up and shaq sending cody into the corner very uh hogan rock-esque here at the start and they traded chops in the corner with cody selling huge for shaq and yeah, giving you enough physicality off the top like listen, shaq is he's shaq like he's not the most mobile of guys but you could tell this guy was taking this seriously right from the get-go like he was out there it's like it's not gonna overdo what he can't do but Seemed to be having a good time doing this at the beginning, and and Cody was just gonna bump around for him, and knew knew that he had to be the glue in this match.
0: This guy wasn't doing moonsaults, but I'll tell you what, Shaq would have fit in perfectly on the undercard of WrestleMania six. No one would have been able to tell the difference. Um, was it a wrestler? Hey, he
1: he was definitely moving around a lot more than Andre was in that in that tag match. So Jade is tagged in, and it's uh, so Red Velvet's in. They trade forearms. She's doing push ups. And then there's a high cross by velvet and Jade rolls through into a follow away slam. And then the kip up and pie faces Cody who then comes in and runs at Shaq with a knee. Got a figure four by Jade onto velvet. And after that Shaq comes in and in his tribute to Brody Lee delivers a power bomb to Cody.
0: I guess spot. You, you think this was... Oh, because he did the arm movement as well. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, sure.
1: Cody then pokes him in the eye and slams Shaq. And I'm thinking, like, is that going to be... Because always in these matches, you're looking, what's what's going to be our viral clip? What's going to be our Sports Center audition clip? And they, they did the slam, but that was not going to be it. Jade comes in, spine buster. Cody pulls her off of red velvet. And then... After these tables had been set up on the floor, they're just lingering on the floor. You know they're coming into play. He leaps onto Shaq, and the two of them crash through the tables on the floor. Red Velvet spears Jade Cargill, who only kicks out kicks out a two. She's being coached by Arn, and then Red Velvet gets countered and hit with a glam slam. Jade Cargill pins her in 12 minutes and two seconds. We cut to Shaq. The man is unconscious on the floor selling this table spot. And he ends up being taken out on a stretcher. Uh, we'll get to that. For what this match uh, needed to be, I I think this is the best you could have asked for. I For Jade Cargill, this is like her first match in front of a crowd. I thought she did tremendous as well. Um, you know, Shaq, you know, for... What your bar is, this guy was not Pat McAfee. I know people will be comparing the two, and he kind of put that comparison out there. He was not Pat but McAfee. He's a, but he's but a he,
0: big, far far bigger name than Pat far McAfee. Far bigger is. name,
1: yes. And his his performance is going to be graded tomorrow at 4 o'clock, not tonight at 8.15 p.m. So listen, Shaq, I think he, he did just fine in this. I thought this match was, I don't know how you could be disappointed with this for what your expectations should have been. And Cargill, um, I mean, she could be a gigantic star. This is – even Red Velvet, very early into her career as well. Like, I thought they they really shined a lot, but I was very impressed with Jade.
0: You know, anytime I think you try to trade celebrity with – the potential for subpar wrestling the hope is simply that the wrestling is good enough to not embarrass the company and uh that the celebrity is into it and i think you had both of those things shack was clearly having a lot of fun here being uh, you know training a good deal to do some of the spots that he was able to do the guy took a table bump seemed to be having a lot of fun and overall it was an entertaining match You know, just the the thrill of seeing Shaquille O'Neal wrestling a match in there. Uh, He looked perfectly fine. Uh, This was not an obtrusive segment. It didn't overstay its welcome. And uh, we'll see what the results are tomorrow, about how many eyeballs this must have gotten AEW and, by extension, AEW Revolution. So I personally have no complaints at all. Jade Cargill, as you mentioned, got the big victory here on the biggest stage that she's ever wrestled in front of. Red Velvet looked very good this match very much put both of them on the map and uh yeah well we could expect you know some uh, a full-time announcement for red velvet i would imagine if not already then very soon
1: yeah that was that was noted by cody that he he was fairly certain she was still on a retainer deal on their tier zero contract but was pushing for her to get a a full-time deal. And he also hedged that where he wasn't 100% sure if she hadn't already been bumped up to that. But given the spot uh, that she was placed in, I think that that would have been a formality. Um, so yeah, this came off really well. Shaq is taken out on the stretcher. And then after the break, Tony
0: goes into the ambulance and Shaq has disappeared. I, you know, I I wonder what they're doing. I mean... I thought we were going to get him later in the night, but he, maybe he was, uh, in a state of shac-nosis. shacknosis. Gnosis. Okay. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, we like clearly he didn't just escape, you know, we've seen disappearance acts before in wrestling and always that it tends to happen with people with supernatural powers. So I think they're trying to tell us that this isn't just any sort of Shaquille O'Neal. This will be Shack Fu. Or Kazam. Maybe Kazamed out of there. Oof.
1: okay. Well, um, this Supernatural character is... I'm enjoying more than the Monday Night version, so uh, we will see if Shaq disappears and reappears at a later date. Pack and Ray Phoenix are my new favorite tag team. They came out and dismantled John Schuyler and D3, just doing all their spots on these guys. Phoenix super kicks D3 off the apron. They double team Schuyler... Phoenix does the rope walk, kicking D3, Fosbury flop by Pack. 450, driver from Phoenix, and uh, 69 seconds this thing goes. I could watch Pack and Phoenix do this for six weeks, and then they get a tag title shot. This was so entertaining for the short time it lasted.
0: A fun showcase for these two. I, I agree with you. It's a fresh new tag team. I know Penta and... And uh, Phoenix are sort of like your your default team between the two, but I think the Pack and Phoenix team, I'm I'm digging even that much more because it's fresh, and they're so fast. They're almost like, um, sort of like a meaner version of the of the Young Bucks, and I can't wait for to see them. Like I want to see them actually contend for the tag team title. So I hope they go far together.
1: I think they should win this battle royal on. T- it, they they certainly implied they're they've been added to the battle royal with their run in later tonight. I I think they should win that thing. That would be great. Chris Jericho and MJF are out with the inner circle and Dasha is hosting the press conference with the wrestling media. So we had appearances by Robbie Fox of barstool sports, who unfortunately his microphone was dead. So Jericho just cut a promo about past tag team partners. He has had that he has won championships with mentioning Dwayne Johnson and AEW's own Paul white, but none of them are better than MJF and talked about beating up the bucks On Sunday, just like they beat up their stupid father. Our next question comes from Conrad Thompson, who asks about Sammy Guevara. And Conrad is insulted. MJF calls him turkey tits. And they're told to never state Sammy's name again. Then up came Wei Ting to the podium. It was uh, (laughs) Brandon Walker from Barstool Sports. A lot of Barstool uh, integration here. Who asked about Papa Buck's attack MJF cut a promo on malnourished Matthew and not so slick I wish my hair was way more thick Nick that there the beat down on them on Sunday will be worse than the one they delivered to Papa Buck and Santana says asks if it was smart of the Bucks to bring their bitch ass dad to TV last week and our final question from media member Eric Bischoff who asks for an update on Papa Buck and asks Chris how dumb his decision to motivate the Young Bucks ranks on his all-time list of worst ideas. I thought for sure Jericho's comeback was going to be listing off Eric's dumb ideas.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I guess they just have Eric Bischoff, like, on speed dial for any He's of
1: probably these, uh, on a retainer contract at this point. Yeah, just call up Eric for, when, when they need a, a talking a pres- segment.
0: A press conference guy, surprise appearance. Uh, Yeah, this was
1: fun. So it was was pretty much just a way for Jericho and MJF to cut promos on the Young Bucks. And then the Young Bucks come out at the end. And listen, for all my complaints about Matt when he has to cut the angry promos, this is exactly what we said last week they needed to do. And this was a tremendous promo from Matt. He talked about all the lessons that their father taught him and Nick. And it was all of the things that Jericho and MJF's fathers failed to do. Our dad taught us to dream big. When he couldn't afford to send us to college, he improvised, building a ring in our backyard with his bare hands. He said, you don't just stand there and let others do the work. You do it yourself. And that DIY spirit created the Young Bucks. It created being the elite. It even helped create this company. Without our dad, there probably wouldn't be an AEW. And without AEW, MJF would be living with his parents at home, waiting for a call from the Rosie O'Donnell show. While Chris, you'd probably be jerking the curtain at the Performance Center tonight. He taught us to stand up for ourselves, and sometimes you've got to kick some ass. And they super kick Jericho and MJF. Brandon Cutler's out, big brawl. Gallows and Anderson are out. They set up a table. And we've got Ortiz on the table by the entrance, while Santana is on a table ringside. So Nick does a swan on off the entrance, and Matt leaps off the stage with an elbow. Fantastic segment.
0: Very good segment. Uh, good promo from Matt, I thought. Really yeah.
1: good promo from Matt.
0: Yeah, really kind of, you know, like, just hammer hammered home what, what his dad meant to him, and uh, by extension, what the attack Meant to him, so uh, I think a good final bit of you know promo exchange to really kind of milk that attack from last week.
1: What are the odds that Ted Irvin is there on Sunday and Papa Buck's gonna get some revenge?
0: Ooh, um, I don't know. I feel like I got Ted on that one.
1: Okay, uh, Well, Ted Irvin, I I think would be he would be the favorite. So they air a video for the exploding barbed wire death match. We've got highlights of FMW and then appearing on TSN2 (laughs) is at Sushi Onida to explain the concept of this match. What the barbed wire will do. It will cut you mercilessly. Kenny Omega, Moxley, I think the rules you've added to this match are spectacular and very fitting for you two. I remember years ago when Shinsuke Nakamura was making the leap up to the main roster and Wei and I were banging our heads against the wall stating why don't they lean on what worked so well on the New Japan on Access show. Subtitles. If anyone is anti-subtitle thinking it can't get someone over, my God, at Sushi Onida, I wanted to see this dude show up on Sunday and challenge the winner.
0: Oh, I think that countdown has just begun. I mean, how long before we see Onita in an AEW ring? I don't discount or, it,
1: but the fact that they went out and got Onita to cut a promo for this—I thought this video was awesome. I thought this show was just by this point, this is an excellent, excellent show. Every segment, I thought they were hitting it out of the park.
0: I what, wonder what if that what they were trying to call, accomplish. I wonder what that phone call was like. You know, who got into contact with whom oh. to get to, to see Onita.
1: Well, this was the promo you needed. I thought like the the footage they got, like they you see this video, you want to see what this thing is going to look like on on Sunday. Definitely. Yes. So, and then we go from Atsushi Onita to FTR walking out with Tully Blanchard and J.J. Dillon. Bizarre. Dude, this this was Tony Khan's like deep like this was like every crazy idea he was able to just come out with on this show i want jj dylan out there can we get onita on camera uh put him on after Shaq. so here we are ftr they also had a banner promoting aew dynamite it voted his best wrestling tv show for 2019 and 2020 they could have printed out a lot of banners after last week i guess
0: yeah i reckon it. Did did it say the observer awards
1: I don't know if it actually listed it as the Observer Awards or just Best Television Show.
0: Okay.
1: Uh but we did have the banner. FTR and Tully against the Jurassic Express. It begins with a jungle boy going for the snare trap on Dax, but Cash breaks it up. So he applies the snare trap to Cash on the floor who's tapping out. JJ Dillon passes his shoe to Dax who nails Jungle Boy and he kicks out from JJ's shoe. Tully then sees them on the floor, he teases a dive, pulls up, and he does a strut. <laughs> awesome. Just awesome. We go through the picture in picture. Luchasaurus press slams. Marco stunt onto Tully. FTR then attack Luchasaurus. Double German from Luchasaurus to both members of FTR. They hit the power and glory onto Jungle Boy. There's a dragon suplex, which Marco Stunt breaks up with a splash. And then Tully Blanchard lifts up Marco Stunt and delivers the slingshot suplex. Tully then eats a spinning wheel kick. Jungle Boy dives, but this mystery man gets in the way, strikes Luchasaurus with a camera, and then the three members hit the spike pile driver onto Luchasaurus. Tully Blanchard pins Luchasaurus. In 11 minutes and 18 seconds, the Masked Man reveals himself as Sean Spears.
0: Yeah, as um, I guess the five of them kind of, you know, pose down for a bit of a Four Horsemen type of thing. I thought this was fun. You know, this was sort of, I mean, kind of your second novelty match in, in the same hour. But, I, you know, much of this show feels like it's it's a bit of a love letter to, like, Wrestling fans, uh, of of any genre or any era even. Um Dude, this was thought, like
1: our Crockett tribute, um, you mm-hmm. know, an hour before the news came out.
0: Yeah, I thought there are some really good spots here with Tully. He looked pretty good considering just, you know, like the he just had to look good for certain spots, and he did that slingshot. Dude, like suplex he did th- looked, the slingshot suplex was great. the most
1: ambitious thing. Like he didn't need to do a whole lot. Like the slingshot suplex was more than I was expecting from him.
0: And Marco Stunt is absolutely the perfect opponent to pair with any of these legends uh, to make them look dominant. Um, so thank goodness for Marco being in a match like this.
1: So with all of them in the ring, out comes Arn Anderson just to look from the from the stage. He puts up the four sign, and JJ returns it. And yeah, we definitely got the indication of this 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 allegiance uh, in the ring. I wonder if we will see JJ again.
0: Did you think Arn's coming out here was supposed to be some sign that he's going to be in on this, or was it just more of a? I think hey, it's a tease. Like, yeah. Oh, you do think it's a tease.
1: I, I think That's it's it's something of. I think they will dangle this for a while of why did Arn come out and whether it's to oppose these guys or to have some involvement. Um, yeah, I I, th- I think they're going to link Arn somehow in a story with this
0: group. So I mean, if you're looking at the four of them. I mean, it's Sean Spears, it's FTR, and it's Tully Blanchard. So is Tully going to wrestle again?
1: I would not put Tully in the ring again anytime soon. Like, he should do, like, the one match per year kind of thing.
0: I wouldn't either. I I, I would hope that they have somebody else in store to, you know, fill that fourth role. And uh, he could be the JJ of the group.
1: I think that that's kind of the lingering thing is someone else eventually joining this group. And I think with Arn, the tease will be, you know, for a while will be, is this going to be Cody's group? Hmm. Shivani is on the stage. He plugs AEW Dark and uh, Elevation. And as he's plugging it, JJ's on his way to the back and just pipes in. It's not going to be any better than what you just saw. And Tony goes, you know, you're not getting paid anything more. This felt like a total just off the cuff, like improv by JJ. Nice. I like that, that was it. And it was off.
0: <laughs> yeah. Loose. Cool.
1: Shivani brings out Paul White in his new shirt. No more BS. And White asks Did any of you see this turn coming? So, all points for self awareness. He's happy to be in AEW, plugs the new show, and he's got a big scoop. This Sunday, AEW is going to sign a Hall of Fame bound star which will be revealed on the pay-per-view by him by Paul he'll White be, Paul White is going to break the news on Sunday
0: yeah i mean it's something i guess you know relevant that you can promote with Paul White on the pay-per-view um they're making a bit of a big deal out of this so they kind of have to deliver who do you think it is
1: oh uh, i'm not going to guess but it's i i'm going to reserve judgment till we see who it is i think that it's what I don't want is what i what I've been saying is like that you're almost in this trap of having to deliver these surprises and feeling a need to constantly top yourselves like if it's another if it's another guy that's you know post fifty um I'll probably question it yeah no matter how big the star is i think but again we don't know who it could be it could, it could be a young person too Hall of Fame down does not have right? to mean older veteran.
0: Yeah, Hall of Fame bound, could, and it could be man or woman. It could be um, anyone, yeah. yeah. So it's it's really tough to guess right now.
1: So we'll see on Sunday, but it's a hook. It's something, you know, TNA did this a lot, where it was always promising, you know, someone showing up on Sunday, and, and they got into a trap of doing that a lot. So I just don't want to see that happen here, where, you know, I said it when Sting came in, that, you know, there'll come a time when you want to just pop a number, and then you know, you get into this and suddenly it's, are you, is it, is it subtraction by addition? So after this, they noted uh, for the buy-in on Sunday, a new match, it'll be rebel and Britt Baker against Thunder Rosa and Riho. So very loaded card on Sunday. Nyla Rose versus Rio Mizunami. Hikaru Shida was seated ringside. Rio was just so animated here. She's delivering these huge chops does this big elaborate begging for forgiveness to Aubrey Edwards, and then winds up like she's Dusty Rhodes delivering another. Rose misses was a swanton, and Rio shoulder tackles her off the apron, hits a leg drop onto the edge of the apron, and they tease the count out again, just like Aja Kong, and Excalibur was on top of things to tie these two together, how she beat Aja Kong, but Nyla Rose gets in at nine, is hit with another leg drop, but Nyla comes back, knee strike off of the top, gets a near fall. Rio hits an exploder, a release German, spear, and a guillotine leg drop. Finally keeps down Nyla Rose, and Rio Mizunami wins the, the eliminator tournament, 1248. And then Sheeta is presenting the trophy to Rio. They shake hands, and the announcers are getting ready to throw to break. When all of a sudden, Rio nails her with a forearm, and as they're holding hands from the shake they're still striking one another. And just like some physicality to go in with some edge to this match instead of them being uh, respectful friends, we're going in with a bit of a grudge.
0: Yeah, I like the bit of physicality at the end. I mean, you kind of need a a little bit of something because uh, Ryo Mizunami is is a real unknown unknown to this audience. I I did expect the person on the Japanese side of the the bracket to eventually win, but I did not expect it to be her. You know, uh, at least, you know, thinking that... It would probably be somebody like instead like Yuka Sakazaki or Maki Ito, who seems to have gained a bigger reputation for this audience. Uh, Instead, you're going in with a relative unknown. But it gets a new name into this division, and they put her over strong here with a win over Nyla Rose, which very few people get. And uh, it does present a fresh match for Shida. I thought the match tonight, I I thought it was just kind of okay. You know, for a first impression stateside, I kind of felt Mizunami's gimmick a little overdone at parts especially without a crowd there to really kind of react and recognize it um but it did feel like an authentic presentation
1: yeah it did um it's it's a big match for Sunday for for the two to have I think you've put a lot of effort into this tournament so the hope is that they have a really really big match on on Sunday um I, yeah I, I liked the match uh, I didn't think it was stellar, but I liked it Shivani welcomes sting who comes out, he found out several weeks ago he was not ready, when he was powerbombed by Brian Cage, but he thanks him because that powerbomb shook off the excess ring rust, now he's ready for a street fight. Ricky Starks interrupts, he's man enough to admit that Sting still has it, but then Sting, but then slaps Sting stating, you are no icon. So Sting attacks him, Stinger Splash, Scorpion Deathlock, and that prompts Powerhouse Hobbs and Hook to run in Cage joins in, goes for another power bomb. When Darby jumps Brian Cage, splash to the back, and then a drop kick by Darby clears the ring with Sting and Darby Allen standing tall. I think last week was the big segment. This was just to kind of further what they had done last week, but I think there's interest in this match. I think that the physicality with Sting people have a higher expectation level for this match, but I think at the same time, hoping that they are still careful with stings physicality the guy is 61
0: yeah i think there's a curiosity just to see like how much of a match Sting can wrestle um i do feel like coming off of i suppose like um the tully match it it doesn't necessarily make this company feel like it's it feels uh, maybe a little one too many of these types of like you know novelty. Hey, like it's an old guy. How how well will he wrestle? Type type of matches. But Sting is of course the big one um, that you've been building up for weeks now. I thought this closing segment was was fine, pretty typical closing segment. Um, we know that Sting can bump a bit. Now we await the match.
1: Max Caster versus Ten from the Dark Order. Uh, Preston Vance. He came out with Dark Order, including negative one. And we had Scorpio Sky on commentary. Castor rapped about Lady Gaga's dog walker. Uh, Ten being only a five without the mask. And compares his looks to Ronnie Garvin after he got hit with the fireball. Which was the closest we got to a Jim Cornette reference on the show. Who delivered mm. the fireball. Castor attacks his arm. Uh, used a brain buster and then went for the claim to fame elbow off the top. Um, and then Jack Evans showed up ringside, blasted 10 with a boom box. And this gave Max Caster the win in eight fifty-two. Uh, that was also with the picture in picture break that they had in the middle. And then it was revealed uh, that Evans was paid off by Matt Hardy, $4,200 as Matt Hardy is decimating the members of the dark order. Uh, I would say for these two, this was kind of a big spotlight in this qualifier. I wouldn't say this match really hit that for me. It just... I don't know. It really didn't... uh wasn't that strong to me.
0: It's just just the match didn't make too big of an impression on me. Um, Caster, uh, you know, has been gaining a lot of buzz for doing the rap gimmick, and I think that'll be his biggest contribution to the pay-per-view. Coming out and delivering some lines, and this also continues the uh, Matt Hardy Dark Order story. And you then, know like Scorpio Sky was all over the commentary here and yep. um he he felt it felt like he was really trying hard to get people's attention and I feel bad for the guy because they haven't done a, anything to get us excited about his chances of winning this thing um No when was the no. last time he was on Dynamite yeah, hasn't had a strong win, hasn't really been able to cut a promo. He's just like, you know, a guy that they just slot in. And, you know, he could win. It could just, it could be the start. I I think maybe he even should win. Could be the start of a push for him. But I just feel like he's he's been relatively cold recently. And him being on commentary here just felt like, guys, look at me. Put the camera on me. I'm still here too, you know.
1: Well, that was part of this character that he was trying to add to it too being like the like the arrogance of it, and it was I don't know to me it wasn't like a smooth transition for him i didn't I, I didn't think this segment like really accomplished what it was setting out to do um and they also continued to tease there will be a sixth person in the latter match, so I guess they're keeping that a mystery,
0: yeah, I guess so maybe that's the signing
1: so they promoted a special edition of dark on Saturday night. Miro cut a promo for the tag match. He has no other option but to hurt Charles. And for all the people that want to see him stop playing games, that's going to happen on Sunday. And yeah, so that's our big promo for the tag match.
0: Not excited for that match at all. I think the feud has been terrible. And um, none of the follow-up stuff since they've done the wedding has gotten me the least bit interested in it. Um, They've managed to take my interest down considerably for an Orange Cassidy match, which is quite the feat. Um, this promo was about as generic I'm going to beat you up promo as you could get, so yeah, the match could be great, sure, and the
1: main event was Matt Hardy and Mark Quinn against Hangman Page and John Silver. Excalibur notes it's not just Matt and Hangman's wrestling income on the line Sunday, but also their licensing money.
0: Like to take money. Wow. Boy, this so is huge. What? What was that like pro wrestling tees, merchandise? And... They were mentioning them. The, yeah, the, uh, okay.
1: the the action figures are out now. It's, I mean, it's, yeah, this is this is going to be a rough quarter for the loser. Hardy hit a side effect of silver on the edge of the apron. Hangman got the hot tag. Uh, they did a deal where like Hardy was sending Quinn in as the sacrificial lamb. But then when things would turn, Hardy would tag himself in. The twist of fate got countered. Silver tagged himself in to spear Hardy, hit him with this flurry of kicks and a brain buster. But then Quen comes back in. It ends with a pop-up powerbomb and suplex from Silver, Buckshot Lariat, and Page pins Quinn in 11:02. Hardy, after the match, attacks with the microphone. He says he's going to take everything Page has. Neither him nor John Silver will make it to the pay-per-view, which... I mean, for all the money on the line, I think you'd want Page to make it to the pay-per-view. That'd be kind of silly to attack him and take him out of the match. I mean, then his money isn't at stake. So not a well-thought-out plan. Dark Order ran out to fight off Hardy, and then all the members of the Casino Battle Royale ran out for the big show-closing brawl, and Phoenix and Pac joined the mix. So presumably they're in as well. And that's how we went off the air with the chaotic brawl as we go into Revolution.
0: I thought it was a pretty good match. I think, you know, anytime you have Page in there and Silver, who continues to look fantastic, um, you can guarantee at least, you know, pretty decent performance. I like the two of them as a team. I'm not sure if this would have been the thing I would have went off the air with. I really think the show needed to close with something from the main event in Kenny Omega and John Moxley. To me, that's the main draw of this show. It's the, it's the, the 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 match with the most interest and i think they needed to do better than the video uh and i know that like you know they told you to just stick around for the countdown show but not everybody's going to stick around for that and you know something like this to me felt more like a mid-show segment so it was a good show overall but i i would have to really kind of hammer home like the pay-per-view i would have done something live in person with the main event
1: i was okay with the moxley promo last week but i agree i think I think Omega needed to do like a serious promo on on this. And I think what they're relying on... I I love the video. I thought the video was really strong. Um, I think it's more so like they're very much relying on the novelty of this concept as like the big final image is just the destructiveness of this match that they wanted the video to convey. I was more so... When I saw this tag match was going into the ring last, I thought for sure you have to do something with Shaq At the end like that was kind of left dangling so that's what i was expecting before the show went off the air but did not happen
0: you might get that next week yeah we'll see i mean his appearances are are going to have to be sporadic but um he's going to be the new undertaker i think you know just vanishing and then reappearing
1: overall i thought this was a really great go home show i would say the first 90 minutes were pretty excellent i i thought i thought maybe they um the last half hour slowed down a bit, but I thought overall especially that first hour hour twenty minutes I mean this thing was just um I thought every segment was just clicking hitting they had such a great mix of stuff from different surprises to peaking your interest for the matches you want to see I thought the shack thing delivered you've got just all these little things like I, I thought this was a very very solid go home show like i I would imagine if you were kind of Debating about getting this pay-per-view on Sunday and you watch this show, I think it would have pushed you to get the show on Sunday. So I, I think it accomplished what the goal was.
0: I thought it was a fun show. Well,
1: let's see what the four Do you want
0: to go through the card?
1: Yeah, let's uh, let's look at it real quickly, what we have. So for Sunday, uh, Kenny Omega, John Moxley, exploding barbed wire death match. I think Omega yeah. wins this one.
0: I think so too. I think he's really just begun his uh, championship reign, uh, but it's, it's he's got the big you know belt collector storyline going on, so we can probably expect Kenny to retain. But it's more so, you know what? What I'm curious about is how much punishment both men take, to what A kind lot. of standard standard they lo- live up to with the exploding barbed wire death match. Um, They, I mean, with Onita appearing and like them showing the clips, I think they have a whole lot to live up to. So, um, I hope both men stay safe, but you can probably really guarantee that it'll be quite the spectacle and you'll probably see a lot of blood.
1: Given the two involved, I mean, they're going to go out to try and have a great match on top of a spectacle. And if you've watched some of these matches, like they're not great matches, just like they're very, like they're really not designed to be like. You know, um, critically acclaimed matches like they're there for shock and violence. And with these two, like this is not going to be a 10 minute deal. It's uh, like I think they're going to try and have this. They're going to try and go and have like the most critically acclaimed exploding barbed wire death match ever. Um, and I think it's very important that not just the loser, but I think the winner should like not appear for several weeks after. Like they should really sell the effects of this. Like I think the loser needs. Like if it's Moxley losing, that he disappears for a while. Like this needs to be a match that it lives in infamy in terms of the destruction that the two men went through. Uh, just to yeah, I don't disagree.
0: Through. What 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 does the pregnancy timeline work out for him? Like,
1: um, they're. I can't remember. I I don't know what uh what they're looking at, but. I think regardless, like I think if, um, you know, Moxley, you could definitely take him out of that role and come back at at a later time and maybe explore different things with Moxley afterwards when when he comes back. Give him a a bit of a break and Kenny Omega continues the belt collector deal and Moxley resurfaces at at another point. Maybe it like him coming back with like a, you know, more of a heel edge to him. Uh, the latter match, we have Cody Rhodes, Scorpio Sky, Penta, Lance Archer, Max Caster, and Mystery Person.
0: Well, we have to know who this Mystery Person is, but I can't really say that there's been... You know what? Archer has a ton of momentum behind him. Um, Penta, not that much. Really, the only person I see... I mean, I can... If they want to just kind of like, you know, shoot somebody up there right away, um, I guess it could be Kenta. Now that I look at the layout, I don't think it'll be Scorpio Sky. Um, I don't think it'll be Max Caster. I don't think it'll be Cody Rhodes. So you got Archer, who's a contender, who, Penta, who I think is also a contender, and this TBA, who would probably be the biggest contender if um, if it's a big enough name.
1: Yeah, I'm just looking at it. Like, I'm kind of leaning towards this mystery person. Um, You know, this could be where they finally kind of give Penta something significant to go with. Like, he's sort of not Mm -hmm. been a front and center character outside of, like, the Bucks feud. But as a singles performer, like, maybe that's someone you heat up here. I mean, we're talking about a match with Darby Allin here. It's not, you know, something that is... I think that gives you latitude that you could go pretty much with anyone here, but I'm kind of curious with this mystery person because I think there's a fairly decent chance that mystery person could win this thing. I, Cody seems like the obvious pick, but almost too obvious that he's already faced Darby though. I, wa- I, I want to take a break before Darby and Cody have another match. Like they did a bunch together that I think it should be built up way down the road before they revisit that match. I don't think they need yeah. to go to it now.
0: If it's the face of revolution, I feel like they're going to be a little cheeky with that, and and the mystery person—the
1: mystery person that could be their tagline, yeah,
0: yeah. Who whoever has a really interesting face? What do you think about when you think of face?
1: Um, who has an interesting face?
0: <laughs> I uh, had the return of Dash and Cody Rhodes.
1: Okay, no. How about Hangman Page and Matt Hardy in the big money match?
0: It's such a goofy, ridiculous um, storyline, but um, the results could be really funny with skits. I think Matt Hardy wins and he becomes
1: AEW's Cameron Grimes.
0: I think Matt Hardy wins. Yeah. Sell the gimmick.
1: Does that mean Hangman's broke for this quarter? Yeah.
0: Yeah. We want to, don't we want to, don't, wouldn't we rather a broke, like a cowboy than like a rich cowboy? That's on the other show.
1: What about broke Matt Hardy?
0: A broke Matt Hardy. Yeah. Broke Matt Hardy. Yep. That's, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's as intriguing.
1: How about as a match? How long does this one go?
0: Oh, I could see them going like 15. Just because I think like Matt Hardy has a lot of like creative leeway, and he's probably going to want to do a whole lot more than Th- this is going to be should. a long
1: show on Sunday.
0: Oh God, I know. Nine matches, including the kickoff. So, yep. um, yeah i I can't say like in ring I'm really looking forward to this one. You know, it's Adam Page versus Matt Hardy, and Matt Hardy hasn't had the best track record of like pay per view matches in AEW, but uh, but Hangman has Page. Page has, yeah, yep. yeah.
1: Hikaru Shida and Rio Mizunami. Um, I just think, given like the stakes and how much this has been built up, I think this one has to get like fifteen, seventeen minutes. I think it's going to be a lengthy one. I,
0: I think Shida should retain. I think Shida retains. Uh, I, I, you know, like Rio Miz- Mizunami potentially coming in, beating Nyla Rose, and then beating Shida. Um, is a great way to push somebody who's strong. I just don't really see that in Ryu Mizunami. Like if it was somebody who was just like incredible, like Asuka level coming in and just like, you know, being like somebody you're completely confident can lead the division. I think you do that type of push. I don't think Ryu Mizunami is that type of person, at least not from what I've seen. So I really feel like this will probably just be a way to build up to, uh, you know, an interesting match for a Kawashita, maybe a strong one for Shida. And then ultimately, Sheeta goes on to another program with some of the other women in, in the division.
1: Sting and Darby Allen against Brian Cage and Ricky Starks in a street fight. Now, this Sting. is expected to be like uh, we're expecting a cinematic match, but I don't think that that they have not stated that.
0: I don't think so anymore. Like they made such a big deal about Sting being able, able to take bumps that this might just be a straight up like, live thing. Like, cinematic would suggest, like, what? Multiple angles, like, uh, you know, retakes, things like that. I don't think we're... I, I don't know if we're going to get that. They're definitely pushing this. Like, this is
1: just going to be a regular match. I think that's what people are expecting. I, I think it's going to be well done, whatever it is. I I am not too worried about this match uh, delivering. I think that it's going to... I, I think, actually being in front of a crowd will, will help this. And I think that they're going to be very smart with how this is laid out and what Sting can do, what Sting should not be doing. Um, that I, I think that this one, you know, for, for that crowd, even a limited one of, you know, whatever they have, 1100 or so people, I think they're going to make a lot of noise for this one. I think Sting will mean something wrestling that, you know, fans typically when they see something that's like considered, Special, I think Sting will feel special on this show. Wrestling, I
0: I think so too. I think it'll be a crowd that'll be very respectful of Sting and they'll treat him like a big deal. So much of this is going to be on Brian Cage and Ricky Starks to make him look good. I'm I'm in particular looking at Ricky Starks, who I think will be doing the bulk of the selling for the both of Darby Allen and Sting here. Um, I think Darby Allen too. You know, I mean, it, to me, it'll be Starks and Allen that I'm looking to to do the bulk of the heavy lifting in um, Brian Cage as well, but uh it, to me it's like a big match for those three just simply being in there in a sort of a big match with a a legend
1: the bucks versus the inner circle for the tag titles um i i think this one should be pretty strong i think that they're i would definitely keep the titles on the bucks i just think there's so much to do with them in that tag division Inner Circle doesn't need the titles. I think there's enough story for them to keep busy for months uh, with what they're doing that the tag titles, I just, I don't need them to be a prop for a couple of months for Jericho and MJF to continue their story. I don't think they need them. And I think it kind of holds up the tag division to do that. You have so many great teams that the Bucks, I would definitely keep it on them. And given the story, they should win this match.
0: Yeah, I don't see a total change here. But, you know, I think the point of Jericho and MJF teaming up, number one, is to, continue their story but also to be able to promote a big match like this on a pay-per-view i'm expecting the match to be really good you know we've seen jericho and mjf team up not that often but the times that we have seen we they've been great together uh from just a psychological and match layout standpoint so in terms of storytelling i really look forward to seeing what these two can do uh with the bucks so and, and on a big stage like a pay per view, you're guaranteed at least you know a pretty substantial fifteen plus minute match. So I'm really looking forward to that one, to this match. And of and, course and how, how they like, lose
1: too? Like I think the the best mileage is Jericho ends up taking the fall, and you're left with MJF
0: having that that reason, that logic that he can use of Jericho being the weak link. Hmm. You know some other elements uh, attached to this. Do we see Gallows and Anderson? Do we see Sammy Guevara? make a return.
1: I think all that's on the table. Yeah. I think you could see a lot of that on the show, Uh, the casino tag team battle Royale. So we got bear country Reynolds and silver, uno and Grayson Santana and Ortiz, butcher and the blade, private party, top flight, death triangle, uh, Griff Garrison and Pillman jr. Matt Seidel and Mike Seidel, Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels, who my God, that story has been just so forgotten about on dynamite. Um, wow. And then Dustin Rhodes, Q.T. Marshall, and TBA is listed here, so maybe another team's entering.
0: TBA. I mean, you know, we just talked about it. Give me Death Triangle with Pack and Phoenix going up for those title shots and uh, potentially challenging the Bucks. That that would be a, an awesome match. I can also see like Alex Reynolds and John Silver. You know, a very hot team right now. Hard for me to think about. Uh, many Because
1: Aaron other. and Daniels could win this if you're going to that, but to me, that's the title shot should come at the the end of this story. And I just feel, yeah, that awesome, awesome start to it in on the Britt Baker segment, and uh, it's just uh, to me, it was a great start, and it just they haven't followed up on it at all. That it, to me, it'd be too out of left field for them to win here, and we're boom, just going to the tag title match. So, yeah, I'm, does this like... count
0: if does this count if they lose this?
1: Well, they haven't even explained that. You should know that going in. And if it is, they shouldn't if they're not winning, they shouldn't be in this then. This yeah, isn't a something...
0: win.
1: It <laughs> doesn't go down on your record as a no contest if you're eliminated.
0: I don't know if the timing of that storyline should have occurred at the time that it has cuz we we've not seen them much if at all on Dynamite. I mean, it, it's really just taking place on Dark. And so, um, probably not being given the focus that it deserves. Uh,
1: the buy-in we mentioned, Rio and Thunder Rosa against Baker and Rebel. And then in the main event, Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor versus Miro and Kip Savian. That's revolution on Sunday. Save
0: the best for last, eh? Yeah. Who, um, what happens here? Um... Okay, can the match the match can be good, right? Oh, do agree?
1: I th- I think it'll be fine. It's like it's not one of the big matches on the show going in. Um,
0: I guess I- I you're looking
1: a- for if they they kind of pull the trigger and do something with Miro of note or like a Cassidy match should get over live. Like I I don't have any issues with like the match itself. It's just kind of when you're looking at what is the most interesting stuff on the show. This is down the list.
0: I see best friends winning, and I see them somehow breaking off to Miro versus Cassidy, which is probably the big match coming out of this.
1: All right. Let's do uh, feedback quickly here. Tonight, the show got an 8.52 on the forum. We start off with Johnny. Been a while since I gave feedback. I enjoyed the Shaq match. It was better than I had expected. It worked excellently to highlight Jade and Velvet. Big props to Shaq for taking the table spot. I hope we get the Bucks against Pack and Phoenix in the future. Seeing Tully Russell was awesome and helping plant the seeds for AEW's Four Horsemen. Big fan of Nyla and Rio, and I hope they have, and I hope that they have a great video package pre-match. Not their best main event this week, but it did its job building up the match on Sunday. Fantastic job hyping up the pay-per-view. Oh, he says with a spot still not decided for the latter match. What do you guys think of Ethan Page? If he wins, it can continue the rivalry from Evolve. Yes, that he had with Darby. That was uh, quite the violent feud.
0: Would he qualify as a future Hall of Famer?
1: That's the, like, someone who's Hall of Fame bound. uh, And listen, they could be two different things. Like, I think Hall of Fame bound, I almost think, like, it's a line designed for people to think about another older legend coming in when it's someone that's going to be like not even in their prime yet, it could be someone very young. So I could totally see it being uh, an Ethan page. Hmm.
0: We go to Mark who says the Shaq tag was a perfect celebrity match. A couple of big spots and put the shine on up and coming talent involved.
1: Kevin and Salt Lake, very noteworthy and fun go home show. I enjoyed red velvet and Shaq's performances in the opener. Jade showed a ton of poise DJ diesel selling that table spot. Like he was napping cracked me up. Fun match. Onita hyping an exploding barbed wire death match on the five year anniversary of Hayabusa's death is a neat little detail. Eight out of 10.
0: We got a no one from Vaughn who says, Insane show tonight. That opening tag was one of the best mixed tag matches I can remember. remember. All four competitors really did well, but Jade came across like an absolute star in that one. She's going to do big things in AEW, no doubt. They did an incredible job of hyping up Sunday's pay-per-view and in typical AEW fashion, put on one hell of a go-home show. 10 out of 10.
1: MJ from NJ. AEW produces one hell of a wrestling show every Wednesday, and when they want to step it up a notch, they can. There is something for everyone. I mean, where else can you get Shaq, Onita, callbacks to the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, and get some of the best in ring work anywhere in this generation of
0: wrestling? We go to our next Pete Raymond, who says... Put some respect on QT Marshall's name. His school that kept AEW afloat in April during the shutdown has shown its worth in another manner. Shaq has been training there. Jade Cargill, someone that the PC turned down, has been training there. All under the tutelage of QT Marshall and the rest of his coaches. And look at the spectacle they are able to deliver from unexpected places. When Cody isn't the star of the match, that's an impressive feat. Also, Red Velvet should be officially signed ASAP. 10 out of 10 dynamite
1: from Nick. This show had a ton to get through. Definitely lots of highlights. The two week build to bucks against Jericho and MJF has felt heated. And I'm so glad they chose to spotlight Mizunami. The opener was also a blast and it's a credit to everyone involved. Shaq is 48 and had a plethora of serious injuries towards the end of his NBA career to see. So seeing him execute a power bomb and table spot is a luxury for AEW. On the flip side, this show had some uncharacteristically poor production, the awkward camera work, Microphone issues and commentary confusion almost made it feel like there was too much to accomplish tonight. There was that spear that red velvet hit and the camera completely missed it. That was that was poor. Lastly, I don't mind Tully pinning Luchasaurus. He's at least 66 million years old. It's about time he puts over the younger talent. An extremely fun, if clunky, go home show. 7.5 missed free throws out of 10.
0: And finally, we end things off with Kate, who will be my co-host for Rewind to SmackDown on Friday. She says, it's probably a sign that I need to take things less seriously, but I was legitimately anxious about the Shaq match going into tonight. But when it started off the show and turned out to be really enjoyable, that put me in a great mood. And that great mood persisted throughout the show, which was both fun in itself and a great goal home show for revolution like a lot of people i wanted either brit or rosa to win the women's tournament because i thought those were the strongest stories but i've completely come around ryu is exhilarating to watch and even if she's headed back to japan afterwards i'm happy to have the chance to see her in a variety of matches i hope that she'll be on AEW tv more when it's easier to travel i really hope that someone is making a gif of negative one standing on that stage just gesticulating while the entire locker room brawls in the ring i need that (laughs) all
1: right well there we go the final dynamite before the pay-per-view on sunday as way mentioned he's going to be back friday night with rewind to smackdown and he will be joined by the aforementioned kate uh i will be off friday but that is because i am back saturday night with the ufc 259 post show with phil chair where there are currently uh 15 fights scheduled on saturday night Sunday night, we've got the AEW Revolution post show. We will be live right after the pay-per-view for our double-double ice cap and espresso members of the post-wrestling cafe, but Saturday night, 10 p.m. Eastern time, it is the Division finale with Wei Ting, W.H. Park, and Nate Milton, the Agnes Harkness of
0: post-wrestling. Oh, Nate Milton. It was Nate all along? Harkness. Yes. It was Milton all along. Yes, uh, I'm looking forward to that one. That's going to be the highlight of my weekend for sure. Uh, the show drops sometime Thursday evening, Friday morning. Uh, it's giving you plenty of time to watch it before you join us live. 10 o'clock Saturday with the three of us live for all post-wrestling cafe patrons. And you ca- cafe patrons can have access to the entire show and all the archives for Ruan- Vision afterwards as well.
1: So there is no way I'm going to be able to see WandaVision until... Like probably late Friday night, so can I ask, can I go on Twitter Friday and complain to everybody that reveals the surprise appearance that is being hyped up for this episode?
0: Yeah, we'll see how respectful people are um i I definitely wouldn't get on social media if you care enough, but to- wait a minute, the
1: other way around is I am told i I cannot talk about things. <laughs> After they've happened for a certain amount of time So now that's the other way around Does that mean Twitter is going to Acquiesce to my schedule And no one is going to tweet about this thing on Friday Because that's how I'm told it's supposed to work They can tweet about it once I'm ready Yeah um, Or I could stay off Twitter What what seems more reasonable Like if I wanted to not know this
0: You know at this point I think complaining is just as reasonable As any other action It's just a part of uh, social media is it not So I
1: honestly won't uh, I I know I'll see it on on Friday, but that's fine. I'm I'm more curious of how this person is introduced and it's got to be something important, right? Like everyone seems to be uh building this up to be pretty significant. So
0: you're talking about the secret cameo that Paul Bettany has been talking about? Yes. Yes. Well, it could very well be Paul Bettany himself playing, you know, the other vision which See, would be whoever hilarious. it is
1: i i don't think it's going to have a whole lot of impact on me it's like i feel like i'm going to have to watch it to really get the appreciation for it because if you tell me that oh my god it's it's Nord-a- Nord-a-wan from the the deep cuts uh episode the, the lost <laughs> issue from 68-1 i'm not going to have any clue who this person is the significance of it
0: Yeah, Nordewon. I'm going to have to ask WH for some comic recommendations for that one. But um, you're you're telling me, John, if K'Thon showed up, you wouldn't lose your shit? Dude, don't even get me
1: started about (laughs) K'Thon. Dude, if 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 it's fucking (laughs) K'Thon, shit, dude. Then this fucking Marvel (laughs) franchise might as well Uh, just sit down and take a flush because that's where this comic is going
0: oh fantastic
1: all right yes. that's it everyone i've got a bio to write way's got life to live we are going to be back friday night it's Wei Ting and kate with rewind to smackdown go to postwrestling.com all the latest news is there 15 percent off for all patrons store.postwrestling.com the only shirt you need this week it's the marvel showdown between myself and mr ting courtesy of our good pal robert pearson
0: That's right, yeah. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you to everybody in the Zoom room listening to us right now, all you Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso patrons. We'll see you this weekend.